0: Welcome to the Jester's Court podcast. I finally didn't almost call it by its old name, and I'm proud of that because I'm getting used to it. But when I realized I was bringing this podcast back with the new rebrand and stuff, there was one person I wanted so bad to get on here. And after weeks of just brutal negotiations, Lots of tears, lots of screaming, all that. I finally got him in here. So, without further ado, please welcome Jack Cooley to the Jester's Court. How's it going, Jack?
1: I'm doing well, Brad, uh, after those serious negotiations. You know, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad we we're able to come to a, an agreement, and uh, I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah. Was, I mean, there, I think we both said things we regretted throughout that, but I'm glad we finally put them aside and just got here.
1: Exactly. It was definitely not Twitter's lack of having good notifications for your DMs, but I mean, it, it yes. Serious words were said.
0: Yeah, yeah. Twitter's DMs—they either send you way too many notifications or not enough. I do not understand.
1: Yeah, it's just the dumpster fire because I'm like, man, Brad wanted me to be on his podcast. I wonder what happened. All oh, he responded 38 seconds after my last message eight days ago. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> hey, <laughs> like, now I'm, I'm the bad guy. Cool.
0: Yeah, I'm amazed that like before the internet, anyone arranged interviews with anyone. I. I don't yeah, think I've ever arranged an interview in any other way than a Twitter DM
1: or a I mean, text I've had or something. i phone tag, like, three times in my life, and it was some of the, like, worst experience ever was just leaving a message, then leaving a message, me leaving a message. It was it was awful. I don't know how anything got done. I don't know how the world exists. Yeah.
0: I'd i be dead right now if I was in a pre-phone world. I would have gotten lost driving somewhere. I'd, uh, I don't know where I'd
1: All be. I remember about that is my dad printing out MapQuest and then yelling at me when I didn't tell him which exit it was because I didn't know how far three point eight miles was. Yeah. So, oh yeah. It, I, uh-huh.
0: I almost I almost missed a family member's funeral once because we got lost on a mapquest printout. So I understand. Oh, yes. That's for another podcast, but I, I don't want to give any <laughs> other info. I I like just the basic details I gave there. But what we're really here to talk about, which I think is obvious, is. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We didn't have a disagreement on this. It's a good movie.
1: Brad, uh, you see that nuke that goes off in that movie? Yeah, that he that's how big climbs a into disaster. a fridge for? That, that's how disastrous of a disaster this movie was. It was <laughs> a nuclear scale. My dad, <laughs> my, I have never seen my dad embarrassed in his life. Until we came out of that movie, and he was like, "Jack, I don't know what that was. We don't talk about that." I go, mean, "Okay, we, we don't." Right when the, he almost left, when the alien skull started like circling at the end, we almost laughed. So, um, yeah, it was bad, man. That's Brad. That movie is terrible, and you have you you have bad movies. As I said, your movie takes are like an onion, the onion of movie reviews. It's, I feel like it's satire, and it's not, and it's it's disturbing, it's
0: But I just, like, what's worse about aliens than a guy getting his beating heart ripped out of his chest? Is that uh, really harder you know, to believe?
1: That's actually, honestly, that's a great question, and I don't know why aliens kind of <laughs> broke the, this is, the like, my aura of belief. I think there were just too many... Things that pushed my, you know, because every Indiana Jones at the end, it's like, holy shit, magic exists. And then in this one, it was like, he survived a nuke in a fridge. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a pretty big deal. Oh, his son's Shia LaBeouf. Okay, you know, that's that's kind of surprising. And then, um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It just just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. I feel like Harrison Ford did not like being in that movie. I think I could tell that too. And uh, it just didn't feel great and
0: he is 78 years old and they keep delaying the next one
1: yeah because they're just waiting for did you tweet that he just keeps trying to just go out in in an airplane and he just just keeps messing it up at least once a year
0: there is a story about Harrison Ford almost dying on a plane
1: dude I just (laughs) imagine every time he goes to fly someone's trying to stop him but he just like like pays a security guard somewhere to like let him through and he just like bribes and sneaks his way onto this plane with no idea how to fly it and just goes.
0: Yeah, it's I think I've have this theory that all like actors eventually kind of think that their roles are real. So my theory is that it all goes back to Harris <laughs> yeah. to Han Solo and Air Force One.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the security guard comes up to get him off the plane. He kicks him in the chest and he goes, get yeah. off my plane. And just exactly. Him right in the, in the sternum. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah,
0: yeah it's, it's, I, uh, that I, that could be its own podcast. Just one where each week we cover one of his almost plane crashes. Cause they're, they're an obscene amount. I would argue one time they
1: that happening is obscene. Are but, numerous. Honestly, yeah. though, cat's off to him for almost dying once. And then just getting right back on that death horse
0: yeah he just straight up crashed a plane into a golf course once, and then just like I think they delayed Star Wars like two weeks.
1: <laughs> why it was just, honestly ironically, it was just a spoiler for what happened in the in the episode in the in the Star Wars movie exactly, yeah, honestly, if you think about it like that,
0: but I suppose we should talk some basketball on this, you know, we can't um, can. Yeah. Or I mean, how are you spending? So right now you're over in Japan. You were telling me a little bit about this before we were recording, but it sounds like you have it pretty rough up there in Japan while no one's while no one's playing yeah. basketball, right?
1: Yeah, I'm currently struggling on the beautiful tropical island of Okinawa, which is basically for people who don't know, Japan's version of Hawaii. And uh, I live. I'm sitting on my porch because my wife is sleeping, looking. At the beach because that's how close we live, and honestly, thoughts and prayers would be much appreciated during this tough time. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's a struggle.
0: Yeah, if, if I opened the window I'm looking at right now, there'd be a cemetery across the street, and that is not a lie. Oh. so I, I I I don't think i have mean, it as rough your, as you, but
1: it's all your it's all your movie takes or across at <laughs> your window, honestly. Yep.
0: Yep. <laughs> hey, hey, what can you do? I just, I, and eventually I had to settle down and realize that not everyone has impeccable tastes like I do,
1: but (laughs) yes, yes, your your mama Mia takes are unbelievable though. Those, those I can get on board. Those are why we're having this podcast. So
0: that's what right now. I, now that you say that I'm honestly picturing like where you are as being like mama Mia, but in Japan, because there's just beautiful beaches everywhere.
1: Mama Mia. Yeah, that would be, yeah. Okay.
0: Which so, yeah, this is the right. pilot this is the pilot episode to the podcast where Jack and I just name movies. Doesn't there's yeah. not a movie every week. It's not how did this get made? We just name movies.
1: Yeah, we so <laughs> name movies and then debate heatedly debate or agree on if they're good or not.
0: <laughs> I think my last thought on I know I said we were gonna talk basketball. my last thought on Indiana Jones is the the thing that I find funny on like the discourse about Kingdom of the Crystals crystal school it's not as good as the old ones but like the aliens the nuking the fridge i just laugh because it, it like you said it's it really probably fits in with the lore of the series i mean this is this is a world where like buddhism christianity every religion on the planet all has been proven to be real but um aliens yeah. are the sticking point
1: I think that's it i think it's like oh the ark of the government if you open it it'll kill you like oh okay like that's cool like like tribal people ripping out people's throats over a pit of lava you're like you know what I, I i i could see it i could see it i could see it but then you're like aliens you're like i mean i know aliens exist but it's like i don't know it was just it was just different honestly Which? though ironically as aliens were just confirmed calmly yeah. by the u.s military um yeah, nice.
0: how wild is it that no, that maybe, happened? And it's that was a story for like an hour. Maybe, maybe
1: that's maybe the Crystal Skull is the most realistic one, and maybe yeah. I mean, honestly, it could be. Wow, it it
0: thought? very well could be. I mean, hey, who knows? At this point, yeah, maybe in twenty years they'll be like, wow, they really went grounded on that one. Shia yeah, yeah, swinging like, with monkeys, that
1: was really... and <laughs> you're like, oh, game. Yeah, if
0: two things are real, are, like, believable in Indiana Jones, it's Shia LaBeouf swinging on a tree with monkeys and aliens.
1: And aliens. That's that's what we take away from
0: that. Let's get back to basketball now. We've talked enough about that. Um, I wanted to come on here. I think you have a fascinating story, and that we hear the stories, like, The Last Dance is huge right now. We hear these stories of the Michael Jordans on there who – kind of he didn't have it easy but he he went to UNC he was a bull he was a, he now the biggest athlete in the history of all time but we don't hear enough about the guys like you who you've played around the world you played in different leagues you played the G league you played the NBA you played in Turkey you played in Japan and i've always been fascinated by that by just how you keep your sanity with that that much change would drive me crazy so do you mind if we rewind a little bit to Notre Dame and just kind of go over your story
1: yeah uh gladly I mean starting at Notre Dame the crazy thing about going to Notre Dame is I grew up being a huge U of I thing like I have a closet full of U of I stuff I have a James Augustine jersey like I have all this stuff and uh but the second Notre Dame offered I was like yeah I'm gonna go there because um it's just such a good school and I, I originally the craziest thing is where I am now thinking back I originally did basketball with the intent of using it in high school to get a good education. So when Notre Dame came up, I was like, okay, that's the best education, I'm gonna go there. And then I was like, basketball's fun, I'll play it for four years, I'll graduate, and then, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, after my junior year, Coach Bray was like, hey, you can do this thing where you put your name in the draft, and, and the teams all come back and tell you where if you're gonna get drafted or not and where they draft you. I'm like, oh, what the heck, why are we doing this? And Coach is like, because you're, <laughs> you're good, Jack. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, I didn't know I was that good. Like, I just wanted to help my team win. So Coach Bray had me do this funny thing where he had me sign both the paper to enter into the draft and both the paper to rescind my name from the draft at the same time so that there was no way I was not coming back. So I did it. And the crazy thing was I got, like, some feedback. They're like, yeah, mid to late second round. And I was like, what the hell? In the NBA, like, the actual one? Like, What? <laughs> And then after that, I I went to the next year and declared, and uh, it was a weird draft, but I did really well in the pre-draft workouts and stuff, and uh, I didn't end up getting drafted, but I ended up doing well in summer league and going to con- Turkey for a huge contract. And it was just so funny because I never went to another game with the intent of basketball.
0: Being <laughs> what the did thing you that I'd take
1: away from leaving?
0: What did you? You said you were very focused on education too. What did you uh, graduate
1: with? Uh, degree in business finance. Oh, nice. Yeah, because That's, you know, I looked at it that money. You know, money's always business and finance are always the biggest thing in the world and proven invaluable. Being a professional basketball player, so
0: I've always wondered. Like, I, I don't blame the athletes who do throwaway courses. Not everyone wants to go to college and take intense courses, but it, it. I've always thought that would be like a great path for so many of these stories. If you saw Broke on ESPN a few years ago, all these guys who, yeah. like, big names who made hundreds of millions and just blew it away. It's like. They could get a little business savvy in there, even if they don't plan on like being an entrepreneur after their career. It would probably Honestly, help so many of these guys.
1: Fred, that's a genius point. And I think that it's that all if, if someone is planning on going pro in in sports, I feel like, especially in schools like Kentucky, UNC, Duke, where they have one and done, and I'm sure they do something like this, but I think that them having a couple mandatory business classes, just to put things in perspective for them, would be very, very helpful because there's things man, I I can't go into details because I'll be ratting on people because I haven't played for enough teams to be like a Vince Carter where you don't have any idea what teammate I'm talking about. <laughs> but um if I, if I do it they'll be like, oh that's so and so and I'll be like, damn it But um yeah, there's been so many things I've seen that's just been ignorant. And uh the thing the bad thing is these people are adults now when you're in the NBA. All of a sudden you go from being a kid to an adult and you can't really tell them what to do if you see it. So I think you're right i I think it's very unfortunate a lot of these people are being set up due to a lack of knowledge that they're given or a lack of realizing what's important because sometimes NBA players are given so much knowledge that all of it's not important and it's hard to emphasize what is, so they just skip all of it and it's not a fault of their own so it's, it's, it's a tough situation honestly
0: yeah I think I just think back to like eighty i'm amazed how LeBron is for right now, which we'll get to him later, but like this guy came out of college with signing hundred million dollar Nike deal, whatever it is, and like I got a minimum wage job right out of high school. And I was reckless yeah. with my money. <laughs> I, I don't know how yeah. someone gets that and then they aren't just like, hey, I'm gonna go buy a jet and
1: I mean I i, I based off of something that I've seen of people making significantly less money than in the bond. Hats off, hats off to the way that man handles himself on and off the court. Honestly, nothing ah, I mean, he could, I don't, you couldn't have drawn it up better the way yeah. he he is as a human being. Honestly, you can't. And because I have, I, I actually, as I told you, I played with him for two weeks, and uh, man, that was an absolute experience. Uh, just being yeah. around him and, and things <laughs> like that are, are nuts, man. He's he's a really, really good guy, and uh, honestly, he's. In terms of his off the court things, he's he's the goat. On the court, it's Michael, but off the court, nobody's done more for this world yeah. than LeBron. So, was oh, so uh, very good to see you. are definitive
0: Michael Jordan's the greatest.
1: Yeah, yeah, Def- definitive. I mean, I'm biased. I grew up in Chicago, so you know. But
0: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: I've had I've had huge. I've gotten into so many intricate different arguments last season with my teammates who all thought LeBron it was a mess. God, it was a mess. We got into are the Warriors better than the old Jazz or the old Pistons? Like it's just like it was nuts. It was these comparisons got out of hand.
0: I feel like you and I were are similar age. So many people it's generational. Or I feel like you and I are sort of at this age where we saw a little bit of Michael Jordan, even if we were kids when we saw him. And then LeBron, so we, yeah. we kind of, like, are less skewed one way or the other. I can't give an answer. I, I've, like, generational arguments are pointless to me. LeBron's great now. Michael Jordan was great then. Um, is, Mike, is LeBron going back to the 80s and coming up the same way Michael Jordan did? Is Michael Jordan coming up through AAU and all this like LeBron did? There's so many factors that would have to play into this.
1: Yeah, dude, it's. It's it's so wild. I mean, would would how? I mean, again, it's it's, it's just so many things. You're right that it's, it's just impossible to take into account because people just think that Jordan's style of play. If he grew up in this era, he would have just kept doing the same thing. Obviously, he's the greatest competitor of all time. He would have changed how he played to fit and be successful in today's modern basketball. You know, because he wouldn't have. It just wouldn't have been like that. It wouldn't make sense. He's like, everyone shoot threes. I'm gonna shoot mid ranges. Like, they would be like, Jordan, don't do that. Like, stop. And it, it's just, it's just different that people don't understand things like that. But hey, it's it. That's a whole nother. We could have a whole episode on. just yeah. that
0: honestly. Well, hopefully there will be another one in the future where we can talk about this or something.
1: Yeah, Depends on if we get any
0: arguments, things. any other just yeah knockout drag
1: out arguments. This is a. This has been a blast. I forgot this was a podcast, but I thought we were just talking. Honestly, that's,
0: that's what I try to do here. I just try to keep a conversation. I like I don't like it to all sound yeah. scripted and get just PR answers from people. Yeah.
1: But I'm sorry if you hear the wind again, I'm outside, but that yeah, nice like, ocean
0: breeze. It's I feel terrible Yeah, for honestly.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: so no, we we're back. You you get the call or you graduate from Notre Dame. Uh you go through the draft process. Um, you think you're gonna go Mid-round, if you're lucky, you're shocked by that. And then what happens?
1: Uh, I don't get the call. Oh, this is actually a fun little part of the story. I don't get the call but because I thought I was going to go between well, 40 and 60. No, like 50 and 60, I thought. I thought. really thought the Grizzlies were going to – because I honestly – when I tell you I crushed that workout, I, I have never shot threes, and I never will shoot threes as good as, I, as well as I've shot in that workout. In that workout, <laughs> I made like – I made like 46 out of 50. Like I, I was wow. absolutely unconscious and the thing. And they were like, man, that was really good. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I missed a couple. And I was like screaming internally. I'm like, I'm the man. Like I am the effing man. <laughs> and um, the thing is, at that time, that Grizzlies staff, and this gets back, is, was the ping staff when I was there. So after the, I thought the Grizzlies were going to sign me. The draft goes nuts. They, everybody drafts your and drafts and stashes of people that will never come over. So after I'm done, the Grizzlies call my agent and they call me and they go, we want Jack so bad for our summer league team. We need to have him on our team. I'm like, all right, cool, I'll do it. And then I'm ready to go to the Grizzlies. I'm only going to play in Orlando. I'm only going to play in Vegas. And then like three days later, my dad calls me and he goes, hey, me and your agent set something up. You're going to Houston. You're going to play with the Rockets summer league <laughs> team first. And then you're going to fly and lead and go to the um, to Vegas, to play with the Grizzlies. I'm like, what? Okay, cool. So I go to I go to Houston. My boy Patrick Beverly's on this team. Um, this team was stacked. We had like Patrick Beverly, me, Vander Blue, like all uh, we had like we had like all these NBA players. And we beat the we beat the face off of everyone who played. And I went in there and I played really well. I was like third in rebounding. I had like seven rebounds a game, and I played like 13 minutes. And the coaching staff was like, what the, what is going on? So I played really well there. And then I went to Memphis. Now when I get to Memphis. Um, they have like nine people on the team. One kid doesn't show up, which is pretty common sometimes for summer league. Wow. And John Lewis was supposed to play. John Lewis rolls his ankle, so we have seven people, literally seven people on our summer league team. And the coaching staff is again, it's the King's staff. So it was like Jaeger, and he was the, I think he was the head coach at that time, and it was Coach Darden, Coach Tick, all those guys. It was amazing in there, and Coach uh, Marsh. Um, I, I love this coaching staff to death. So I get there and they sh- I start playing really well. <clears throat> and I end up playing like 33 minutes a game. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, for this team. I played so well. And they were like, Jack, we want to sign you so badly. Like, we love the way you play. We just have six big men. And like, we can't, you can't have seven big men on your team. It's just not how basketball works anymore. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So then after that, I get a huge offer to go to Turkey and I play in Turkey for the first year. And, uh, that's a whole nother story, but I I was eternally grateful for the opportunity that the Memphis coaching staff, which then became the Kings coaching staff, yeah. um, they gave me at that time. I mean, no no rookie in summer league plays 33 minutes. That just doesn't. It just doesn't happen. So. Well, it makes
0: it makes sense too. Now that when you came, it was you, it was Vince, it was Zach, it was a
1: mm-hmm. lot of Grizzlies. They, yeah, they literally. I mean, after summer league, I played with the Kings the coaching staff told it was like told the front officer like Jack needs to be around this team. Like we're not budging on this. And I, I'm telling you, when I tell you that coaching staff cares more about its players, I can't express to you how how it's they're they're unbelievable the, the job that those guys did and the way that they cared about each and every player. And I'm um, I'm extremely grateful for them and I, I love the way they act and how they handle themselves. And I still text I text them to this day. So um they're all great people. Yeah, if you get I a chance, very, tell very them to fortunate. come back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I gotta, see now that now that see now that I am trying to make post career plans, I can't like. I got to be nice to everybody, you know. So,
0: okay. Different. All right. Well, I'll try to find them and I'll just tell them myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you went to you went to Turkey, which I was I was just writing about. Alan Iverson going there for a year not too long ago. I want to yeah, say Darren Williams team, went there and during the lockout.
1: Secret. Besiktas. Oh, what was that? The team, the team that Alan Iverson went to, its name was uh, Besiktas.
0: Okay, yeah. And I don't. think yeah, it actually lasted have his long jersey, there,
1: but they have, no, they have his jersey in the rafters, though. And like, <laughs> that was funny. I'm like, he didn't play here very long, but what is it?
0: Yeah, I don't. Is um, but I imagine if it attracting Allen Iverson and this was like prime Darren Williams and stuff, that Turkey must have a good league up there.
1: Turkey has, well, at that time Turkey had a lot of money, um, a lot of money. Like uh, there were some players making like three million a year, um, which is a, it's overseas that's like astronomical. Yeah. So it's a good league. I mean, I signed honestly, I signed one of the highest rookie, highest european rookie contracts in like the last like three years when i signed it it was an absolutely bonkers deal um and i got all my money i mean i had to go to court but then i got all my money so uh, it was his experience man when i was in turkey i, I was, it, it was something else, you know, something else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow that sounds like another episode there um, yes, then, yes,
1: I could honestly. Each each of my seasons, you could put probably like three or four episodes on. Honestly, I've been through i some wild stuff.
0: <laughs> well, this it, it sounds like you need to get in touch with uh, Netflix or something. You just said you just yeah, talked right. about post-playing plans. It sounds like you got to get them. We got to get the Jack Cooley Last Dance.
1: Yeah, honestly, that would be that would be a, it would be a slow dance. It'd be like a it'd be like a waltz because I'm not very fast. But yeah. <laughs> It'd be pretty good. It'd be a pretty good documentary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I yeah, I'd watch it. I don't know what that what weight that holds, but I'd
1: watch it. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, that's at least one. There we go.
0: (laughs) Oh no, you'd have the King's Herald readership is very loyal. They you would have that. That's
1: true. It's true. It'd be you, John, Jill, all those people (laughs) watching the show. Dave.
0: That that year after you were here, I was at Summer League, and you got uproarious applause.
1: I was I in did. that arena. The, the Suns played the Kings because the one-two thing, or yeah, that was it, right? Yeah, and um, that was hilarious. everybody on the bench was like, I got back to the bench, and people were like looking at me like, who, <laughs> what, huh? Who are you? And I'm like, bro. I don't I mean, I, I do. I, I've been around. <laughs> people like me.
0: <laughs> I say
1: that to that people a lot idea. too. That was really fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think we skipped a, We skipped over a few years. So you went to Turkey, and then is that when you went to the Jazz? Or were the Cavs yeah for Turkey?
1: I played very well, and then that summer league. Actually, I played with Memphis again in Orlando this time. And then we got to the championship, but I had to leave because I had to go to Vegas, and I played for the Cavs in Vegas. And um I did very well for both of those. And after that, I had uh, offers to go to a couple teams for training camp, and I picked the Jazz because that organization is unbelievable as well, top of the line. Uh, I love my time there. And um I – Played for. I signed my free uh, free agent contract. Didn't make the team. Got cut. Went to the G League. And the first game in the G League, I tore a ligament in my left thumb. My uh. right thumb. My right thumb, this time, And I missed. You say all, but in hindsight, I was devastated too. But in hindsight, so I got the surgery at, at the U- University of Utah. The Jazz were unbelievably helpful in helping That's... me get through all this, with the rehab, with the staying in a hotel, with the making sure people love me. Dude, uh, this uh, top of the one. I've been so blessed. For the organization I play with, but the jazz was so helpful. And uh, you say all, but the thing is, it's weird is this was a blessing. So after I got the surgery, I went home. And my workout schedule during the summer when I'm at home is intense. It's like a five-hour workout day. It's like two hours basketball, three hours lifting, speed, conditioning. It's nuts. It's a nuts day. And um, so I got hurt. I went home, and I went back to that workout plan. So I'm working out five hours a day, six days a week, just blinding, going nuts. And... Um, meanwhile everybody else is in the g-league season beating each other up getting worn down and you know call-ups can't happen until what january 14th or something so i literally missed six weeks of the period where you can't get called up and then came back and had like three weeks to get back into playing when everyone else is beat up and right before the call-ups happen and i am in peak physical condition and i'm just coming into these guys that are like two months into the G League season, and I am absolutely destroying people, because it's just not fair. I've been at home grinding, and they've been working out, and then that led to me getting called up by the Jazz, and um, I had that 10-day, which is just a blur. Uh, Unbelievable. And then I got sent back down for 10 days, got called back up after that, and they kept me for the rest of the season.
0: How is that 10-day grind? like? Does that fly by, or does it seem like time just kind of slummoxes during that time or
1: uh it's, how does it's that one go? of those times it's just like uh it was just so it's such an experience i mean I, when my agent called me i was absolutely sobbing um because it's one thing to be on a training camp contract that's one thing but it's another thing to be like on a mid-season roster and um I it's the first 10 days was just an absolute blur. i actually got into the I didn't. I wasn't. I don't think they planned on playing me the originally. They just wanted to just, like, show that they appreciated me going through their training camp, getting cut, working through the G League, and then playing well and coming back up. They didn't play me. But then at the end, they did play me at the end of a Denver game where we were blowing them out. And um, Elijah Millsap, who I will always be indebted to for this, I get in the game. Elijah goes, Jack, have you scored in the NBA yet? And I go, no. And he goes, all right, I got you. And Elijah literally made sure for the next two possessions I scored, and my first basket in the NBA was a lefty floater in the middle off of a dump pass from Elijah. And um, I remember that we played one minute; I think I played like one minute and thirty-one seconds, so it technically counted two minutes. But I had four points, so I led the league in scoring for forty-eight for like. Oh, nice. A week, yeah, it was nice. It was nuts, and um, it was just, it, it's just so much fun, and it's a blur. I, the thing that I. Look back on was now as a pro for a few years, a lot of years actually. I would be way better equipped mentally to handle that because when you're on the ten day, you have to learn like you have to learn like 38 plays, and the Jazz offense was not like simple at that time, and uh, it was just too overwhelming for me. I didn't know a lot of the plays, I didn't know the calls, just because I was young and I didn't know how NBA offenses worked. If it was me now, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, man, throw me out there, I'll just read it, it'll be fine. And um, so it it was, it was kind of rough. You got to just, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. I can, I can imagine. That's what I'm so curious. Like the people who went through what you went through, which is probably most of the league, right? Like most of these guys didn't get the LeBron James experience. They had a lot of them had to work through this and, those are the stories that are far more interesting to me than just someone who was really good. Then they went went to the NBA. They got handed the keys to a franchise, and the rest is history. It's like you had yeah, to work I mean, so hard just to get considered.
1: Yeah, it, it was ridiculous. The thing was, after I had that ten day, the first one, I got my taste for the NBA. And when I scored, I scored four points in one one minute. I was like, man, I can play up here. Like even in the practices, I was like, I belong to be, I like deserve to be here. I know it, I I know the way I play, I know the way they play, I know there are a lot of players better than me, more skilled than me, but it doesn't mean they're better basketball players than me. And it was just that realization of doing that. Because then, After that 10 day, I got set back down for 10 more days and they actually called up one of my other teammates. And I, they go, yeah, we don't know what we're going to do, we might try out a couple other guys for a couple 10 days and then we'll let you know. And I told them, I go, after these 10 days are over, I'm not good. the way I'm going to play in these 4G League games, 5G League games. I'm not going to let there be another option. You're going to call me back up. And I proceeded to after that 10 day I went down and I broke the G League rebounding record. I had a game of 27 and 29. Wow. And I yeah, I averaged I averaged 21 and 21 for those like five games that I was sent back down for. And uh, after the 10 day was up, they called me right back. And um yeah, I mean the rest is history when they signed me again, and uh, it, it was just it was just nuts. But again, as I said, I was so young, and it was just so difficult and overwhelming uh, that I could have handled I could have handled it a lot a lot better. And um, it's it's just different, you know. In hindsight, you look back and there's nothing you can do about it, but um, yeah, it is what it is.
0: But it's the path that got you to the Kings, which yes. I know. I appreciated. Everyone else appreciated. That was not lying. That was one of my favorite teams of the last few years. Just I loved having you on there. Just because you engage with this community more than probably any player I've seen. Just you know, you're one of us. You just sit there and shoot the breeze, and we we talk crap about Indiana Jones and all that. And this is the perfect market for that. Just um, was it as special to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was just about to say, like, I've, I, I mean, Chris Lopez was on my, he came to my Animal Crossing island. And, uh, <laughs> like, I went and visited his. And, like, I played video games. Man, one of the funnest nights I've had playing video games is when it was, like, me, Jill, Sean, and, um, gosh, I'm going to get, oh, I think, A- and Adam were all playing Fortnite together. And uh, we we were not good. We were not good. We were. Not, I was not having fun because we weren't good. But uh, it was just an absolute blast to get to play with those guys. And I don't know. It's just such a great community that like looks out for each other so much and is so caring. And obviously Carmichael Davis uh, is a top tier individual, and I'm very very happy with that friendship. And it's just like I don't know. I really was like above all the friendships I've made with with you guys and it's weird to call people friends you haven't met but it's just the lifestyle i have it just it just happens it's the um,
0: era we live in too it's like there's people i've never met face to face who i talk to more than people i hang out with
1: that's the thing like if you play video games with someone especially in this quarantine where people playing video games like six hours a day if you're playing video games with someone for six hours a day like you don't ever spend six hours a day with your friends consistently you know like yeah it's just, it's just a different vibe, and there's people online that you interact with. Like, like if I didn't like you, I wouldn't have done this. Like, you know, it's just, it's just things like that, where it's like, it's such, it's so unique, and uh, it's also trust. You know, I, I people got to trust that you're, these people aren't going to go nuts on them. And stuff. So I, I really do appreciate all the connections I've made because of being in Sacramento, and uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate and blessed, as I said.
0: That was a – that seems like it was a good locker room to be into. I just – I loved having Vince here, Zach Randolph, Garrett Temple, and oh. the players on that team. It just – I don't know. It, you guys didn't win a lot, but just, there's just something that I just loved about that team.
1: It was just – honestly, I'm telling you, people think – people, like, get a glimpse of how great of a human Garrett Temple is, but people don't actually know how, like, like amazing – like, if Garrett Temple ran for president – I would I would literally join the campaign and like work for it just because that human Garrett's just such a genuine human being. I mean Vince, I can't even tell you how how great of a guy Vince is. I still talk to Vince now. Vince wished me happy birthday. He tweeted happy birthday. to me. That's I, Vince, that made that's me Vince happy. Carter, just what? Well, <laughs> I'm a regular. I'm a regular kid from Glenview. Like I, this is Vince Carter. Like this is this is nuts and nuts and. It's so funny because – and then you mentioned Zach because even before all this happened, Zach was like my favorite player in the NBA by far, bar bar none, because it was like, man, Jack – I mean, I used to be athletic, but I had to bulk up to be in the NBA and play five because I'm not quick enough to play four. So I was like, man, Jack, you need to find someone to emulate. And, man, I found Zach, and I was like, I'm going to watch every minute of synergy of every post move this man's had for the last five years. And it's just, and then to be his teammate and see him do it live is unbelievable. That, as you said, that locker room, uh, that was a great, great place to be, man. It, it, it really, really was, and uh, it was a good learning experience. And you can kind of see on the imprint that it put on some of the young guys, like Harry Giles, a top tier human, like a top tier human being with a great just, work ethic.
0: Yeah, he's he's another uh, one. Just I, you have to love that guy. He's
1: dude, he's great. I, uh, Harry, so I would work, nobody really on the Kings, uh, people worked harder than me, but I'd always be in the gym shooting. I'd shoot like every day from like, eight, from like 8 p.m. to 11, there's like a 90% chance I'd be in the gym shooting. And the two people I'd see come in, would all, one, Buddy was always in there, always in there <laughs> shooting. And uh, Harry was the other one. Harry, because when, on, when you're on your, like, quote, redshirt year, you don't – it's not like a calm year. Like, it's not like a yeah. relaxing, like, oh, this person's hanging out. Like, this, you're, you're working so hard behind the scenes. Like, you, they literally – the NBA strength coaches have to kind of, like, tone it down a little bit when they're dealing with NBA players. Because you play 82 games. You know, you can't afford – if someone's yeah. in the rotation, you can't have them work. But if you're on a red shirt year, like, these NBA – especially Ramsey who we had at the time is a literal workout genius and to just give him full reins of someone to just mold and sculpt is just so such a blessing. And,
0: um, Harry, Harry's
1: such a great guy and he work the kid works so hard. And, um, I, I, he's, I know it's a touchy subject for King fans right now, but I, he's going to be such a good <laughs> player. I, I, oh, I, I'm, I, I yeah, really I, do. it's a,
0: in my case it's a touchy subject because I just want that guy to succeed. He just I'm sure you know about what he did with Rich who's one of the writers here. <laughs> Rich uh the, asked him something uh, like, If you can retweet this ten thousand times, my wife will let me wear your dirty to our wedding. But and, yeah. and here he went above and beyond. They've met him now and stuff like that. It's like he's just like
1: yeah. what a he's what a, a good, guy. He's just a good dude and his, his mom was around the team. Unbelievable woman. Just you can tell that's where it comes. But also, you have to realize, like a rookie's first year, the impact that the locker room has on them is 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 is, is huge, huge on on the dictating how their work ethic starts because that's their first look at the league. That's the first way that they think the NBA works. You know, and they have look around. They have to see how guys how guys operate, how guys work, how it works to be successful. Yada yada yada. And when you have role models like Vince Carter, like Garrett Temple, like Jack Randolph to look up to and see how hard they work, it, it, it's such a benefit to the players that are young. And this season, the red shirt year, I Man, there's so many things I could talk about, but yeah, it's, the red shirt year is a great thing. And uh, I'm glad Harry did it because it helped him be healthy and be the player that I think in the next few years we'll see that we'll, we'll see him grow into.
0: Just when you have a Vince Carter, because Vince Carter. It sounds funny, but there's probably hasn't been a bigger like star, even if he was 41 years old, than Vince Carter on the Kings. How does just like having that guy? He's half man, half amazing. He went, jumped over a seven three guy and all that, and all his his on court stuff almost takes a backseat to that. But he's been a great player for 22 years now. I guess 20 at the time. Just how does a guy like that, like when he walks into a locker room, to their does it feel like the whole place just shines or does everyone just want to do better or
1: how I mean, is his it's presence? It's crazy because Vince, Vince does such a good job of making everyone feel included and making everyone else also feel just as important as he is. When we all know Vince, we're not like, we're not as important as you, but he makes it all, everyone seem included. He makes everyone feel special. And it's just a weird thing because you think vince walks in the room and he's just like that huge guy because the funny thing was the first time i met him was in summer league on the bench he was sitting on the bench because you know vince obviously wants to help out as much as he can and i sit down next to him and i go holy shit you're vince carter and he's (laughs) like hey man how you doing (laughs) and uh he's just it's just so funny you say that he's just such a nice guy i mean for for christmas he bought everybody on the team and i still have it i have it here in japan he bought everybody on the team the travel video game case where you can put there the TV on the top of it. It's like a suitcase that has you can put an oh, nice. Xbox into it. Dude, who's like what's He's just such a nice guy, man. He didn't even do that. and He bought me one too, and I'm on a two-way. Like I mean, Vince and I are friends, and we golf together and stuff. But like, I don't know, man. I could go. I could go on for days around how nice the guy Vince is, and just uh, as someone who has as much legendariness around them. It's just special. I mean, Vince is a Hall of Famer. It's just it, yeah, it's it, 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 it's wild to me just how great, but is. You were, great. of a guy. It's so it's so great though when you meet your heroes that they live up to the expectations and exceed it. It's just it, it's always so refreshing.
0: And what uh, with Vince, especially what always strikes me is just like I wish for as much as we make fun of guys, myself included, these forty-year-old NBA players, thirty-five-year-old NBA players, whatever, for being. Most of the time, they're a shell of their former self. But, like, you saw it with Dirk last year, too. I wish more of these guys would just, like, age gracefully, not worry about their points per game, and just, like, be there for the next generation. Because I wouldn't be surprised if in 10 years, Trey Young is the star I think he can be. And he's looking back on Vince Carter. Um, talk about Buddy, De'Aaron, the guys who are here, too. It's, like, the impact those guys can have... Has to just go on, especially like you said, the young guys, the Harrys of the league. And yeah, I, I wish that that was more the norm. I'm kind of seeing that with Carmelo now; he's kind of mellowed out. No pun intended. On dude, I was the Blazers. Just, it's so
1: crazy you mentioned Carmelo because I was going to say if Carmelo had like just kind of gracefully accept, but it's also it's the thing; it's the competition level of some of these guys where they can't like accepting it feels like losing for them. It feels like quitting. Yeah. When I mean, cause obviously easily Carmelo could have realized that he has to play a different position. Now he has to play more of the four. He has to not start things like that, but he could still have been so successful in that role. And I think that, I think he hamstringed himself a little bit because everyone knew Carmelo could still do Carmelo things, but I think he might've hamstringed himself a little by not accepting maybe a secondary bench role and, just running the, secondary, the second unit, you know? Because the NBA is really, every NBA team is two teams. The starting unit that plays 30 minutes and then it's the secondary unit that plays 20-ish minutes, you know? And, um, so it's just a whole different vibe and it was just interesting to see the Carmelo. And now, as you said, I think he's mellowed, i, I <laughs> mellowed out a little bit. And, um, it's just, because uh, he's great. Carmelo is such a good basketball player and it. it I just I knew he had so much left in the tank, but the way he, he was handling it, I, I don't know. Teams I guess just didn't want that problem, which is which which is Mello was too good to get put into that. Not one issue. He, he, yeah. He's good enough to overcome that. It's um it's why he's on Portland. That's why he's doing well. It's funny because I never thought he wouldn't do well, but it's just opportunity and things like that. It's, the NBA is such a unique beast yeah
0: and it's there's 12 guys or 15 guys on the roster i guess i think it's 13 now can be on the active roster but it's just the microscope the 13th man might not always get the same attention but he's under a bigger microscope than some bench guy in the nfl who just plays with the practice squad so every little thing you do is gonna amplify
1: it's also it's just nuts because basketball is like the sport we don't we don't have timeouts so everybody everybody knows who we are we there's only thirteen of them you know the NFL there's, there's what six fifty eight I think forty eight something, something like that so there's like a ton there's four times as many players so it's just like and also in NBA games you sit and you see everybody on the bench. You know, and I, I love, I love, I love sitting on the bench. I, mean, I, I some people were upset that, like, man, I want to play more. Of this, that, and the other thing. I was like, man, uh, I'm not going to get into the politics of this. If I play, I'm going to work as hard as I can. I know that I'm going to be 100. percent So if I don't play, I can sit calmly and feel confident that I've given it my all to get on this court. And I'm just going to enjoy this basketball front row seats to an NBA <laughs> game. Like, huh? Like, I'm not going to sulk. I'm not going to pout. Like I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna hope that we get up by 30 every game so I can get in, but I'm gonna cheer my hardest until that point. You know, it, it, it's just it, you have to have so much fun with it. And um, well, you
0: were sitting next always, to Zach Randolph and Vince Carter, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I've never I got, done that. Was, yeah, I, I'm having a. Uh, it's just honestly, and then the, the whole and the experience with the food and the the private entrances and this that. I uh, it's just a. It's just the whole thing.
0: Man, <laughs> We're going back a little bit, but we have to talk about playing with LeBron James. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but you're talking about we you got to play with Vince Carter while he's in his forties and he's still Vince Carter, but that it was twenty fifteen, right, when you played with LeBron. You you were playing yeah. with maybe the best what many believe are the best player of all time, when he might have been playing the best basketball of his career.
1: Yeah. I, we, we did. I wasn't even there that long, but I, I I vividly remember every interaction with LeBron, and I just remember my funniest story was uh I, we had lunch and you know you sit in this like beautiful open lunchroom I'm not gonna call it a cafeteria because it's uh, it can't be described as that it has a private chef and makes personal meals it's just the whole kickable so I sit down at the table by myself because I got in there um a little late and I sit down by myself and I'm eating. And all of a sudden someone sits t- across from me. And there's a meeting. I look up and it's LeBron. And I kid you not, my my hand just starts shaking like a movie. And like the food <laughs> falls off the fork. And I'm like, Oh God, it's LeBron. And um uh, I look at him and I go, Hey, Mr. James, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And he's like, he's like He's like, hey. He's like, hey, cool. You can call me. He goes, hey, been cool. You can call me LeBron. And I'm like, okay, LeBron. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. How you doing today? And he starts laughing. And uh, yeah, we were talking about things, and he was trying to get. At the time, he was trying to get the like old. You remember the Back to the Future shoe that they released? Oh yeah. And he was like, man, I want to get one of them. They go, okay, we'll we'll do our best. LeBron's like, do your best. And I would cut in and I was like, he was like talking to his manager. He's like, yeah, we're, we're doing our best to get those. And LeBron's like, doing your best? What? And I was like, man, I wanted a pair of those. But if LeBron can't get them, I think I'm just going to spit this one out.
0: <laughs> that is wild. So those were Nikes it too. How so did he not funny. get?
1: Yeah, that was it. Because I, honestly, I think they only made like 100 of them. But I was like, dude, LeBron has to be like number, <laughs> number negative number 10 on this list. Like LeBron. Get, like I don't understand. He has to be way before this list. Yeah. But man, it was just playing with LeBron and just seeing the way he plays and watching him in practice, the way he he would command practice and how his brain, how he's just a basketball genius, breaking down plays and offenses. It it it, 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 it was. Nutty. Kyrie was on that team too. Kevin Love, Kyrie, great human being, very funny guy. Um, it, it, it was just man that those 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 fifteen. Fourteen days, man. That was something.
0: That would have been right at the beginning, right of the of that trip. Yeah,
1: so the the Jazz, yeah, right. No, it was the year they won the championship. Because listen to this. Okay, oh, so okay. I got a couple of Jazz. I got a couple of Jazz, and then that, I had three waivers. And the, uh, my agent goes, Jack, Cavs want you. They're going to fly you to Utah. They're going to fly you to Cleveland, and you're going to try out. They go because Tristan Thompson's doing his holdout, and they need oh, a yeah, big. Oh yeah, okay. Then, meanwhile, to do the holdout. I get there, and they're like, Jack, we love you. We've loved you since you signed with the Utah. You didn't come here instead, which is fine. We go, we've always wanted you. We've always kept our eye on you. So here's the deal. We'll keep you until Tristan Thompson comes to this deal. Like, if you play well here, we'll keep you until Tristan Thompson comes to this deal. And they're like, we haven't talked to Tristan in a couple days. It'll probably be like a month or so. And, you know, a month. I was like, it could be two days in the NBA. I don't care. I'll take it. Like I was like, deal. This is a great deal. I know what's going on. So... I went through preseason, and I had an unbelievable game against the Mavericks in preseason. I think I had, like, 15 rebounds in 17 minutes or something. I played out of my mind. And um, and we won the game. Everything was great. The, the, the Cavs were like, Jack, we're going to keep you. David Black gave me the game ball for a preseason game. I was like, what? What is going on? I got the game ball on a team that LeBron was on. Um, <laughs> so it was just nuts. And so then, like, the next day, I'm on my way to go sign the contract to to find to turn it from a regular contract to a from a preseason to a regular contract and as I'm on the way I get a call from a text from my agent that says Tristan Thompson and the Cavs have come to terms on a deal and I get there and tr- I look at in the left like it's a literal movie I like walk in and I look to the left and Tristan's signing his contract and I'm just uh-huh. like son of a bitch like <laughs> dang it but um but I can't get mad, you know, because oh, yeah. the, there's two reasons. The Cavs told me ahead of time this was the deal, and they they stuck to their word. I'm fine with that. You know, it's okay as long as you stick to your word. I'm okay. And second, players like Tristan Thompson, the way that they play, create niches for teams to want players like me. So it, it, you can't get mad at your at someone who helps create spaces for you. You know, so. I I always look back, and I'm always fond of the Cavs and the way they treated me. I'm always thankful, and, um, yeah, I'm always grateful for the time there.
0: All right, well, let's get to today. I mean, you're not playing right now, I assume. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) How wild is this? I mean, we we saw the whole pandemonium with Rudy Gobert and all that here. Mm -hmm. How crazy was that to experience firsthand as an athlete?
1: I mean, it was it was wild, honestly. It was just because we had, like, a week break. And during the week break, me and my wife went to Universal Studios here, so we had fun. And we come back, and we're getting ready for the season to start. And we have a practice where we're prepping for a game that we have in three days. And all of a sudden, the guys in the practice go, yeah, we're probably not playing this game. I go, what? And they go, yeah, because this virus. They're probably going to take two weeks off. And in my mind, like, for the season to be changed as a basketball player, it's such a like astronomical thing would have to happen. Like you can't, you don't even register that ever your season would be changed. So I'm like, oh okay, whatever. So then that gets canceled. So then literally practice ends, and they're like, yeah, all sports in Japan have been postponed for two weeks. I'm like, oh okay, whatever, whatever. The two weeks go by, and after that, then they're like, okay, well, we need a little more time. We're going to take another week off. And to figure out what we're going to do. Like, okay, cool. So after the week off, they go, all right, all the games you missed, we're not going to make up. We're just going to play the rest of the season without fans. So I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? So they're like, all right, we're, the Japanese league was going to do whatever the NBA did. They were going to go coincide with each other. So then we have a game coming up with the, um, we have a game coming up, an away game, where we're going to have no fans. And I'm cool with this. So right before the game starts, the Rudy Gobert thing happens. And we're like, oh, man, like early, like the day before, the Rudy Gobert thing happens, And I'm like, oh, man. So then the NBA gets canceled, or the NBA gets postponed. And I'm like, are we still playing our games? Yeah, we're playing our games. So we played two games without fans, and I played unbelievable in these games. I think I had, like, because the way our season works is we play every weekend back-to-back games. So I had, I think I had, like, around the weekend I had, like, 51 and 42, like, combined for both games. I had 30 and 21 in the second game. And um I played great. And afterwards the only reason I say that those numbers is because afterwards, like, Man, Jack, how did you play so well without any fans? Like how are you used to this? And I go, guys, I played in the D-League. I played in the G League, man. I'm used to playing with no fans. So there's just been anything new from me.
0: <laughs> why why is that? I still do not understand why the NBA doesn't try to like get the G League to go into a triple A baseball game is fun. Like you're it's yeah. just they cause a fun environment in Sacramento. I don't know if you made a River Cats game when you were here, but um, in Sacramento, like people love going to those games. It's a fun time. I don't understand. I know basketball and baseball are two different environments you play in, but I never understand why they don't try to do something to make people want to play, want to go see the G League. Although this new thing where people bypass college might.
1: Uh, it might, it might, and man, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. I have a ton of opinions on, but um, <laughs> uh, that's a good point. But the thing is, and I was talking to uh, Chris, who's a big fan of the Stockton Kings, about it. It's odd that people don't go to Julie Games because Julie Games offer you such a, a like an intimate experience with professional athletes that it's very, very difficult to get at any other level. Because like in Kings, when I played, I had the two way so I saw both sides. When I played for the Kings, it was literally impossible for a fan to, like, get in any contact with me because we have the secret, the, the backdoor entrances, the underground entrances, the security guards at every step, uh, just everything cordoned off, like, cut off. It's just, it was so unique. But in when I was in Reno, uh, like, everybody could come up and say hi and, like, and I would be more, I, like, because I always wanted to say hi to Kings fans, and, but I couldn't because there was no access. But in, in Reno... I would say hi to everybody because you could just walk right up and just say hello. And, um, (laughs) it's just so different. And you can, you can like sit courtside for like 20 bucks. It's such an odd thing that it's not promoted anymore. uh, But Hey, I don't, I mean, as you said, with the, with the players skipping college, maybe that'll help. Um, but I don't know. I mean, college is a stage where fans become huge fans of individual players because of what they do in college. I think that yeah. that's going to be missing because nobody's going to be like, oh, this guy played for my local G League team, so um, now I'm a diehard fan for him. You know, it's just like, it's it's, it's really weird. I don't, I mean, I don't think Zion Williamson is gassed as he was if he's in the G League advantage. So, it's just a... An odd choice- it's an odd choice, and I think it's um i think it's an a fortunate thing of young players being uh infatuated with money now as opposed to benefiting off of non monetary things that you can't duplicate um, so yeah that's just a it's a whole thing it's a whole thing I have <laughs> yeah it's hey
0: do you i don't have a good transition here do you think that something that could help the NBA is, like, a rookie, like Zion Williamson wouldn't have needed to do this, but do you think a lot of rookies would benefit if the default was more like baseball in the G League and they actually got their start, they started in the G League most of the time and worked their way up? you think that would be a negative or a positive? Like, my opinion's worthless on it. I've always wondered about that, though.
1: You mean, like, the current thing that they're kind of offering, or...? My opinion Not that,
0: that. No, when they're officially part of the NBA, like you get oh, drafted okay. into the NBA and you go immediately well, see, to what's now the Stockton Kings.
1: That's see, that's that's different, and I like that. That's better. And Zach Randolph had a good opinion on the Zach Randolph because um, when some of the young guys were being sent down, they were a little mad. Zach was like, "Man, when I first came to the league, I didn't play, and I was itching to play. I wanted to play because I would have killed if there was like a a D league I could have played in. Because I think they didn't have a team for his team at that time." He's like, man, I would have loved it if I could have gone somewhere and played and got, kept my skills sharp and this, that, and the other thing. I think once you're in the NBA and being sent down to the G League, I think it's extremely helpful. Because also, on this new contract, they can't get called up. So let's say one of these young players goes in and averages 50 a night. Well, great. That's all you can do. You can't – you don't get called up. So you just have to keep averaging 50 in the in the in – The G League. So it's going to get frustrating to them to see other players get called up when they're not allowed to. And I think that's another thing because, like, what's good about the NBA is you can, if you get sent to the G League, you can work on skills, sharpen them, and then get called back up and use those skills at the next level. So it's just, it'll just be hard. I like that. I like the way that that works. I think teams are being a lot more, uh, I think, a lot smarter with sending guys down. And I think the thing I noticed from my first in the G League to my second is the top teams are communicating way better with the lower teams in terms of having similar systems, having this, that, and the other. So I think it's, I think it's really good.
0: And there's still, I want to say it's the Trailblazers, who I pretend to be a fan of, who don't have a G League team yet. And that boggles and my they,
1: mind. Yeah, they don't. And I think that the G League is going to really take off um, I think the G League's really going to take off once all teams, once there are 30 G League teams and each one's associated, I think then it can fully grow at a good pace. And the thing that really upset me was when I was at a G League meeting, they're like, hey, the G League isn't a place that we want players to be for their career. We don't want them to stay here. We don't want them to make a career out of being in the G League. And that, the things that were said there really upset me because why not?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean... The people who are—they're are great, great players, who just aren't in the NBA, you know, and they shouldn't have to go all the way to Europe. Because there's Always. a lot of people who are so, who are really good at basketball, but have to stay in America for family, for they just can't handle being overseas. Which is not—there's nothing wrong with that. Living overseas is not easy, and if you can't take it, it's nothing on you. It's not like it's—it's it's a hard thing to do. And there are many reasons that players should have to stay in the States, but they shouldn't have to make $35,000, you know? Like, it's just yeah. – it, it's different.
0: Yeah, I always think of, like, a Jimmer for debt, who always tries to get back into the NBA. He's never quite good enough to get into the NBA, but then he goes overseas, and he's dropping, like, 70 a night. It's like, it'd be nice – yeah, it probably be nice for him. I know he's starting sorry. a family and all that, and – he probably wants to stay stateside, but it probably would be nice if he could go to the G league or something like that, which they don't even call yeah, it the developmental it. league anymore.
1: And he killed, he's in uh he's in Panathinaikos right now and he, he was killing it. He was playing, he was playing great. Jimmy for that will forever be the enigma in my head that didn't work out in the NBA, especially in today's NBA. Uh, I don't, I, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it never will make sense to me. And um, because it's not like everyone says his defense, he's too little, blah, 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 Man, there's so many people that can't play defense in the NBA. It's mind-boggling. Like, that's not, It that can't be a reason anymore. So it's just, uh, that'll always just confuse me. Because that man is great. I played on the TPP tournament, with him. That man is great. It's, it's just, that'll always blow my mind how that didn't work out. But, you know, there are guys like that. It just, yeah, it just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, this I've I'm always curious and I always feel bad for that guy. He always has a soft spot in my heart because um some people disagree with what you said that he could never have made it in the NBA, which I don't agree. I I think a lot of it had to do with the team he was drafted to at the time he was drafted was doing nothing to develop players. It didn't help that Isaiah Thomas was our other point guard we drafted and he was ridiculous for a 60th pick. And I wonder, like, if he went to a place that actually, you know, maybe they sent him straight down to the G League or D League, whatever it was, and maybe actually, like, try to develop him instead of just try to use him as a marketing opportunity. Maybe it is a different story with him.
1: I mean, there are, there are so many players that are doing well. I, it's just not. That's so great you say that because that's how it is. I mean, there are so many players that are created... And molded by their team to being great, that have the tools, but they need to be molded from a square peg and a round hole to a round peg and a round hole. You know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. just because they didn't fit, doesn't mean they're bad. It means that they weren't properly equipped to fit in the position that they're in. And I think, I think you hit it straight in the I mean, I, I, I mean, if Jimmer was drafted by the Spurs, I mean, like, or someone like that, like an organization like the Mavericks or. Spurs are one of these solid-based organizations. Who knows? I mean, yeah. uh, it, 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 as you said, every, no one will ever know, and it, it, it's it's tough to see um, different players have things that happen like that. So I'm,
0: I'm going to ask you this. You got me thinking about a conversation I just had, and then I will let you go. But you were talking about defense. People knock Jimmer about defense. People knock James Harden about defense. Um People knock play. People tend to knock players about defense, but be selective about it. Do you is mm-hmm. overrated? It probably isn't the right word. Do people weigh defense too much compared to offense when they are dissecting NBA players?
1: No, but I think that we need to be more acceptable with people understanding that certain players just aren't good on defense, like, and that's okay because, like. James Harden and Steph Curry are the first to come to mind. But James Harden and Steph Curry are transcendent on offense. Like, unfathomably good. I mean, it's okay. It's like like in football, if you have a quarterback that can't run and just throws, it's not a bad thing. They just can't run. You know, it's just like, it's just a thing they can't do. And it's not like any of these guys play defense that badly that they can't be compensated for on their teams. But... I don't ever think defense is overrated. I think it's just as important as offense. But there are certain guys, like uh, like one of my, my, my favorite player in the NBA, Patrick Beverly, who's, again, transcended defense, can overcome – Pat's offense is great now, but it can overcome some deficiencies that he had earlier on in his career to help him make NBA teams and be so helpful to a team. So it's easy, it's easy to – just the way you can hide people on offense, you can hide people on defense. And I think that yeah, um, when you have great coaches – uh who can who can help you with that and who can help make each player's great coaches help each player's strengths shine and their weaknesses be hidden that's what a great coach does so uh i i think that some people again just don't have the best coaches that cause them to be exposed on defense a little more than other ones but um yes. uh, it, it's just different
0: i th- i think what it gets me is when you get players who are great at defense but not not necessarily great on offense, it seems like they always become kind of these cult figures. Like everyone just loves them. They become like the workhorse, whatever. But when someone's great on offense and not bad on defense, I feel like it gets held against them so much more. And I think it goes to what yeah, you said. It, it's like some guys can't defend, some guys can't shoot. You work around that if they are NBA talent.
1: Yeah, People who bring up that Harden can't play defense, it just blows – my, my, I'm like, yeah, uh, but he he scores fifty. Like, <laughs> I I don't understand, like where you don't like, where people don't understand this. Like, they make like Harden's bad at defense montage. Like, who gives it? Oh, uh, oh you found like eight minutes of clips. Here's eight hours of clips of him being <laughs> unstoppable on offense. Like, it just that just that's just as you said, things like that just bother me because people don't people refuse to put it in perspective and. Um, because it just in itself, it devalues defense when you bring that up. So it's, yeah. it's just not easy.
0: Yeah, so you're not a fan of my James Harden and Steph Curry slander on the Twitter timeline?
1: No, slander the slander the hell out of both of them. It, it does. It, I, I, they they deserve it because they're so great that they need people yeah. to <laughs> to bring them
0: down. And being petty is like ninety percent uh, of the fun of being a sports fan.
1: It's yeah, dude. Like it, that's what. I don't know what it is, but God blessed me personally with the ability to only focus on positive comments on the Internet. <laughs> and yeah, I have enjoyed the Internet. Because I always was like, man, the Internet's so toxic, just that and the other thing. And I'm like, man, the Internet's great. Like, people call me big, fat, big fat, slow, white guy. I'm like, I'll, I'll just be like, eh. But that one dude said my hair looked good. And that's what I remember. You know? And I'm so jealous just like, of that
0: because... I'm lacking in that department.
1: <laughs> See, dude, I, was, I was getting military buzz cuts my whole life. And then I was like, right when I signed with the Kings, I was like, man, I'm in the NBA again. And I don't want to look back and be like, damn, look at that nice military buzz cut that I had my whole life. I'm going to try something different. And then that's why I changed my hairstyle going into the, the season with the Kings. So. And
0: I think one of your first like, viral moments on the Kings was just that <laughs> that picture of you yeah, holding the, a basketball. when I became
1: the meme Man, that was so <laughs> funny. I finished that game and all of a sudden I come to the internet and it's exploding. I'm like, what the heck? What is this? I'm like, oh my God.
0: I Why did just... someone
1: photoshop me into a lineup of the Hoosiers? I don't I don't understand.
0: <laughs> those are my Why favorite I memes. To a <laughs> yeah. There's like there's no reason you should have become a meme that night. And those are the best memes because they just they, they're hilarious because they just it's something that could have happened to a million people, but it happened to you. And it's funny.
1: Yeah. And the the best part was the guy who took the picture originally, I believe, was not their sports photographer. He the sports photographer was like sick for media days. So he said this guy, he's like, I don't know what to do. he just strikes some poses. <laughs> and he was like, just kinda like hold the ball like this and I'm like, Why the hell would I I was like, Whatever, nobody'll ever see these, it's fine. And I did. they did. And then that one became viral, yes, yes, yes it I think about yes, a
0: friend of mine went viral like a few months ago because he was at Madison Square Garden in like one of the last rows. And he just took a video of himself booing Chris Tapps Porzingis. But it just became a thing where hundreds and hundreds of people were making fun of his seats for being high up. And it's like, there's 41 games a year. How many people have posted that video? But this
1: poor yeah. guy goes like and his goes viral, man. That's 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 something else.
0: Anyways, I'm about to let you go. Um, can we watch you anywhere stateside that you know of? When assuming uh, basketball ever returns,
1: it'll start again. I signed I signed a beautiful one year extension with this team because, duh, and um, yeah, I can send the link to you guys. You might need a VPN though, but okay. um. Yeah. Other than that, it should, which is ridiculous in the way it. But yeah, you might need a VPN. But if it does, I, I'll send it to you and uh, let you guys know. But it won't be for a few months. Honestly, it won't start back up until, what October. So, yeah.
0: What do? What then. is your gut feeling that the N will the NBA have a twenty twenty champion?
1: Um, I I think it will. I think that um, I think that. I suggested that they do the thing. The idea they have in Walt Disney World, I had that idea that they do it in Vegas. But the Walt Disney World idea is just as good. I think that they just have all the NBA teams stay in the Polynesian. And um, it's one of the nice hotels there. And they all just play the games in Disney. And um, no fans. They just all play. And I, I, I think that's how it'll work. I think that they'll just have a couple. Uh, they need some couple warm-up games beforehand. Because, honestly, if you take this huge break and then just jump into round one of the play Actually, I don't want them to have one of the teams. I want them to just jump into round one of the playoffs. <laughs> I want to see an eight-seed beat a one-seed it, man. I uh, want to see, uh, see... I want to see rusty basketball, man. Yeah.
0: I want to see that, and I want to see 30 teams in the playoffs. Just, it's going to be a chaotic yeah. season.
1: Yeah, just 30-team yeah, playoffs. Yeah, just have all of them in this pitch. Just everybody. Just give, like, yeah. everybody gets the play. Make the kings all come back. Make everybody all come back and have to play. I'd love it. I'd love it. And there's always that I, I'd possibility. No like reason that it's not that it, that we had. That means we have not seen Vince Carter's last game. That's why yeah. I, I want this. I know.
0: I was I was wondering about him. I've wondered about him a few times. Just like you're 42, 43 years old. I wonder if this is a good thing or a bad thing. To have this three, four, five, six, He's- seven month break
1: I, I it's probably great for him honestly now that i'm thinking about it but uh, w- yeah it's just it's different
0: yeah it's funny well where can people find you on twitter wherever else you want them to find them tiktok i don't know if you're a tiktok celebrity or.
1: oh i'm not a i'm not a tiktoker my wife is i'm not a tiktoker but yeah, everybody. What you want me to plug myself here? Is that what we do? Yeah,
0: just whatever you want to plug. You can oh. plug.
1: Uh, everybody, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Jack forty five. Um, I would appreciate a follow. Uh, if you're funny, I'll follow back. If you tweet nice things about me and the Kings, I'll follow back. Uh, yeah, yeah It's pretty much you. You, much you how don't it works. necessarily
0: have to be funny either, because he follows me. So.
1: Yeah, that is true. You can have trash movie takes, <laughs> but um, well. yeah.
0: Hopefully we can do this again in the future. I don't think I offended you.
1: Right. No, this was a this was enjoyable. Again, I forgot. I can't believe it's been an hour, man. This was a blast. This was fantastic. Wow.
0: Yeah. I'm flies. Good times, man. Well, so you can, uh, thank you so can, much can, for we can being on here. Do it again
1: sometime. Yeah, thank you. For having me.
0: Um, yeah, thank you. I will talk to you guys next week. But I'm. I just want to reiterate that how much it means that you came on here. You were one of the first people I wanted to have on when I knew I was coming back, so it's amazing. You're my first player too, so this has been
1: nice. special. Oh man, I feel great now. Today's a, man, a good day. I'll go
0: out on the beach and just like whatever people do at the beach.
1: Yeah, I'm just. I think you just go. I actually just beautiful snorkeling will do
0: that. But yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's been it for this episode of the Jester's Court. I will talk to you guys
1: next time. Thank you.